Fintech Chatter. Brought to you by Tier 1 People, leaders in Fintech executive search. Welcome to Fintech Chatter, the show where I connect with fintech leaders for a bit of a chat. I'm your host, Dexter Cousins, and in 2022, we're showcasing some of Australia's next wave of fintech entrepreneurs. Show your support by hitting subscribe and like on YouTube. And if you're a podcast fan, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps us in promoting the show to others in the fintech community. Now on to today's guest. Kath Whitaker is CEO of SelfWealth. ASX-listed SelfWealth runs Australia's most popular low-cost share trading platform. Based out of Melbourne, SelfWealth is leading the way in stock market investment for everyday Australians. The company was taken to a successful IPO in late 2017 and continues to deliver value to shareholders. With a career spanning across the globe, Kath shares her experiences as an international fintech leader. Kath, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me, Dexter. It's great to have you with us and making your fintech chat a debut. So um, before we get into it, can you tell us a little bit about SelfWealth? Yeah, SelfWealth is a platform that has been in Australia for just a decade now. Um, we are number four in terms of uh, wealth management trading platforms. So we sit behind three of the big four banks and we are the leading challenger brand in the Australian market. Awesome. So uh, when you say you kind of sit behind, is this like a white label platform or is it a bespoke tech? No, definitely not. We're very proud of our self-wealth brand. Uh, we are truly independent. So uh, when I say sit behind, so it means that uh, three of the big four banks occupy the top three spots in terms of number of customers on their platform. And we are proudly number fourth, taking wow. out one of the big four banks uh, six months ago. Fantastic. So um. When you when you look at that positioning, um, it's a highly competitive market. What is it that itself wealth has done differently, or what's the big problem that you've set out to tackle that's got yeah. you that success? Absolutely. So it's important to understand the genesis of self-wealth. So as I mentioned, you know, we did start 10 years ago uh, and we came out to solve a problem. Um, We wanted to uh, move away from trading investment being just a transactional process for retail investors. And so we set ourselves up as a a community of retail investors. So self-wealth was actually started as the, the Facebook for retail investors. As time went on, there was an opportunity to build out our trading capabilities. We were the very first platform in Australia to introduce flat fee brokerage, which is something that we've held true to. Uh, It's been a model now that, of course, many have followed us, uh, but we've never veered away from ensuring that we have trust on the platform that we partner with organisations that can support us for not just days but for decades. So, you know, our partners being the likes of of ANZ and Refinitiv um, and we really built out a platform where people know they can come to us for independent thought, leadership and content and the very best customer service. Awesome. So when you say the kind of Facebook model, um, 
we're not talking about meme stocks and meme trading here, but more of that kind of you know social kind of element where people share insights. Is that right? Correct. It's about insights. It's about, you know, looking at what uh, others are investing in. And of course, we all have our different investment journeys. You know, no two people are the same in terms of what they're looking to achieve. We all have different risk profiles. We all have different areas of interest in terms of investment. So, you know, we know the folk who are more keen on the tech stocks versus those who are keen on the ESG opportunities. And that really is what self-wealth is about. It's making sure that we uh, understand uh, what our customers are looking for, build community, support information around what those needs are. Now, you've how long have you been CEO for, Kath? Yes, coming up to 16 months now, an absolute privilege to be in this position. Um, after 20 years abroad, uh, working across the US, UK, Singapore and Brazil, um, it really was time to come home and to come home and, and find a wonderful home that is self-wealth, uh, an Aussie-made fintech startup that during financial year 21 was cash flow positive, which in itself is a massive achievement. And, you know, to be able to take the reins and take it from where it was to where I see is a very long growth journey, super exciting. Yeah. Could you tell us maybe, Zen, a little bit about where the business has come from and the origins of the business and the idea? Yeah, I absolutely love the self-wealth story. You know, it truly did start in the back of a, a garage. Uh, it came about, you know, with uh, our, our founder, Andrew Ward, uh, and, and he pulled in a number of very talented people, um, technology people, and I'm very proud to say of the original uh, six people at self-wealth, we, we still have three of them. Wow. Uh, in the building today. Um, and so through that, you know, it became a, a true team and, you know, through pulling in various talent at different times and building out our capabilities, you know, as I mentioned, you know, to go from a, a community of folk who who are sharing, you know, investment advice and building out our data set around investing, uh, which, you know, is still very much, you know, leading edge development uh, to then introducing uh, ASX share trading and we are very proud to have our HIN-based chess-sponsored model. We believe that legal ownership of shares is extremely important. Uh, we then opened up our US trading back in December 2020. Um, of course, very good timing with this little thing called COVID. Um, and, you know, we certainly benefited from the COVID tailwinds. But truth be told that we were already on our path of, of growth before COVID happened. Um, and the timing was absolutely right from a, a self-wealth mm. perspective. You know, we, we now have well over $8 billion worth of asset value on our platform. Um, and, you know, we're the true Aussie startup story that's now listed on the ASX. Awesome. So the business listed in 2017, what was the, the thinking behind um, listing the business? Yeah, at that time, you know, there was definitely a need to uh, promote and market self-wealth very much around the idea of, you know, brand identity and, and helping Australians understand that, you know, we were a very credible alternate to not only the big four share trading platforms, but also for those do-it-yourself retail investors. 
um, that there was a platform available to them. Um, so, you know, hence the, the listing to obtain the funding, of course, to, to get the marketing going and brand recognition. And also, of course, to build out the team in terms of, you know, introducing new products and features onto the platform. Now, it's been um, a, a really kind of interesting couple of years in, in this space. Um, we've seen, you know, the, the kind of rise of crypto. A report last week from ASIC where I think that, you know, they um, suggested that 44% of retail investors now hold crypto assets. What have you seen have been the kind of the, the biggest challenges in growing the business as there's more competition and now there's different asset classes that people seem to be putting their money into? Yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, there are a couple of things there. You know, the addressable market for retail investors in Australia more than doubled in the last 18 months. Wow. So, you know, whilst there are new competitors into the market, um, you know, with that massive growth in the addressable market, you know, going from 700,000 retail investors to, you know, 1.5 million, you know, that there's certainly enough there to, to get the interest, shall we say, yeah. um, of, of a number of new competitors. You know, from a self-wealth perspective, what we do is um, we're just focused on what we know is our strategy, which is to empower financial freedom for retail investors. Um, we have our customer base, which is, I'd say, more evenly spread across uh, each generation. So whilst, you know, our millennials and Gen Zs do make up 60% of our customers, you know, we do have a, a very healthy and growing cohort in other generational groups. Um, and look, as we think about wealth management, uh, obviously that doesn't just mean equities. You know, we are the platform where retail investors are going to go to to make very in various investment decisions into varied asset types, including crypto, uh, which as we have communicated, we are very soon going to be launching our crypto capabilities. Uh, but once again, it's done in a very self-wealth way. We don't mm. follow the pact. You know, yeah. we have our own innovations. Um, and so, you know, we want to make sure that crypto is available in a safe and secure way, simple to use, part of a portfolio approach so that, you know, when folk go in and look at their portfolio, all their hard work essentially when it comes into investments, they'll be able to see everything in one place. Mm. Now, we've seen also, I guess, over this last two years, you know, the almost meteoric rise of Finfluencers and, you know, this you know, kind of Wild West, um, unregulated approach to, to investment. And on the flip side, you know, in, in Australia, we've got highly regulated financial advisors, um, which is making it really difficult to make that model viable. How has self-wealth gone about bridging that gap of, you know, offering credible investment advice, um, in a, in a safe way? Yeah, so long before, you know, ASIC, uh, you know, making a stronger stance on Finfluencers, et cetera, Selfos made a decision over 12 months ago to not promote, utilise Finfluencers in any way, shape or form. Um, the information and content that is available on the self-wealth platform uh, is only through people that are properly accredited, uh, who we have reviewed. We've also made a stance that we will not pay for content 
So people know that when they come to the self-wealth platform, uh, and education and content is an area that we have invested uh, quite a lot into in the last 12 months, they know that it is truly independent, no strings attached. You know, it is about just doing the right thing for your customers. Um, and that's something that we're going to continue. Awesome. Now, um, when you kind of look across the the business now where it's at, what, what would you, you know, how many people are you, where are you based, you know, what, what, what and what are the plans for um, looking international if that's something that's on the radar? Yeah, so look, we're, we're very proud of our 65 uh, team members that are based in Melbourne. We are proudly Melbourne-based. So 65 uh, we- people and you're number four in Australia for this this type of platform. Spot on. That's Correct. incredible, eh? It is incredible. We, we've been ruthless in our investments, um, in our return on investment. Um, I do take, you know, capital allocations extremely seriously, um, but it also has to be built on a terrific team. It's got to be based on yeah. on teamwork and available. Um, we, we do also have a uh, client service function offshore to make sure that we give ourselves 24-hour coverage for the markets that that we support. Um, but it's a, it's a relatively small team um, of seven people. You know, our focus is based in, in Melbourne. Well, that's a really nice little kind of movement. The, the, the next thing that I wanted to talk to you about, and you mentioned this in the intro, that you know, 20 years of international experience, you've worked with some kind of huge financial organisations. Um, what was the biggest kind of challenge for you moving from that type of environment now into a business that not only you know only has 65 people, also has a strong position in market and is also ASX listed. So there's kind of nowhere to hide, right? <laughs> <laughs> there, there certainly isn't. And, and look, you know, I'm a person that always has highly valued transparency and corporate governance. Um, and frankly, I think there should be a lot more of that in fintech, especially when you're dealing with retail investors' cash and their asset holdings. I would like more transparency to be available across all the platforms, whether they're privately or, or publicly held, um, so that investors know where their money is really being held. Um, but look, you know, from my perspective, you know, as you mentioned, you know, I've had the absolute privilege of working with some of the, the largest uh, financial services companies across the world. Um, and, you know, to, to come back to a fintech, relatively small fintech, everything that used to frustrate me, uh, you know, in, in big corporate America, obviously is now not the issue in, in small fintech, but of course, vice versa is applicable in terms of, you know, when it came time, of course, to uh, to move office locations um, from our very small 19 desk location out in suburban Melbourne into the CBD, there was no real estate team mm. <laughs> that I could refer to. So, you know, very much roll your sleeves up, needing to get involved in a lot more things. Um, but, you know, there's also a, a great joy that I get knowing every single person's name uh, who is in the self-wealth team uh, and to have genuine conversations with those people. What, what's it like, you know, to um, be CEO of a, you know, a smaller business, 
is it is it different to how you kind of imagined it to be? Um, it's not. Um, it's exhilarating. It's, you know, I know that there's a great responsibility in, you know, the buck stops with me. Mm. Uh, making decisions is where is what sits with me. Um, and, and so I think from that perspective, you know, one of the, the frustrations that I found in big corporate America is I wanted to make those decisions, but, you know, it had to be referred up the tree. Yeah. Um, now that's no longer the case. Um, so and I, I take a great joy out of that. Of course, what's then really important is that you have great people around you so that you don't feel that that burden is yours and yours alone. Um, and I think it's really important in terms of how people make their decisions. So, you know, what sort of information or data that, you know, should be provided, seeking counsel, being open to others' views, um, and but ultimately making that call at mm. the end of the day. Um, I guess you're kind of still not, um, you know, entirely shielded from the, the the challenges, particularly being a listed CEO. What's, you know, what's that been like, you know, coming in and doing your first fintech CEO gig is hard enough in the spotlight of ASX where, um, yeah, I can imagine <laughs> just based on the feedback I get from other people in my network that, you know, the, the, the media kind of spotlight, the analyst spotlight, you know, particularly over this last 12 months where the, you know, the whole sector's taken a bit of a hit. How have you kind of managed that process and, and, kept you, you know, kind of your mental health, but also your you know, kind of um, positivity and, and energy levels high? Yeah, look, there's no shortage of opinions. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's about uh, recognising that and, and recognising that uh, you can't please everyone all the time. Um, but what you do have to absolutely make sure of is that, you know, you stay true to yourself, that you remind yourself why you're here um, and that, you know, again, in terms of things like mental health, Having that support network around you, friends, family, colleagues, you know, exercise, uh, you know, taking care of yourself, you know, you have to remind yourself of that and put time and investment into that. Mm. You know, we all have only one body, one mind, um, greatest asset that you will ever own. And, you know, you do need to prioritise yourself for the sake of others. Mm. What, what's it been like, you know, kind of leading through what's been a, you know, not just the markets, but, you know, the last two years, I think it's been tough on everybody. Um, where We kind of continually kind of have these, you know, what seem to be even more volatile discussions and debates around work from home, remote working, employee well-being redundancies there's there's a lot going on how have you managed to kind of keep people motivated and keep the kind of the band together as we go through this period yeah look it, it had to be a focus you know as you quite rightly say there is so much going on um and there's so much uh, varying opinions yeah. as well you know from uh segments of you know the, the employees yeah. as well as the employers 
you know, there's a very vocal group of, of people, you know, across professional services at the moment who obviously strongly are advocating for the, the work from home uh, concept versus others who are genuinely saying, hey, I want to be in the office, yeah. you know, I'm there to learn. I, I love having that connection. Um, look, I put myself in that category. Um, being a, a fintech and having to move fast, it's so much about collaboration, yeah. learning from others, getting that that buzz, getting that that joy and just, you know, bouncing off each other. So, you know, it is something that I'm uh, very conscious of. Um, at Self Wealth, we do advocate a model of 60% of your time in the office. Um, I think it's extremely important for members of the team who may not be as experienced to be able to, to learn from others. Mm. Um, you know, and I think what's what you need to do is is to set that expectation clearly up front in terms of, you know, what the self-wealth culture is. But um, look, it has been a it has been a difficult period, I know, for for many organizations. Um, again, it just comes back to the culture that you need to promote within your organization. Yeah. Most businesses that I speak to are finding that they're really struggling on that side. So I think it is, you know, it is time that we have kind of adult conversations and more and more I'm speaking with leaders like yourself who are being very clear in their communication that, hey, this is now the model moving forwards. This is yeah. the expectation. What have you found kind of because I'm sure that's not going to be for everybody. And kind of what I've also found rather strange has been this you know, assumption from the majority of the workforce that working remotely now is somehow that's always the way it's been. And it's been, you know, a, a kind of right or an entitlement and a, an employee benefit. How have you dealt with those who, who've kind of, you know, resisted coming back to the office, didn't want, didn't want to work that way. Yeah. So, you know, look, again, you know, with our 60% expectation of come to work, you know, that obviously gives flexibility in terms of, you know, the remainder 40%. Mm. But again, you know, we do have to be clear on that. It's not a negotiable, um, you know, and we think that that suits uh, the majority of people as well. So, you know, we have, of course, um, uh, you know, done a variety of, of initiatives, which we're very proud of, which, you know, very much about getting people to just know each other. Mm. Um, so, you know, lunch and learn, social activities. And and I think it's really important from a company like Self-Wells Perspective, where we did such a, a, a big increase of, um, you know, team members during mm. the COVID period. So they really did miss that, you know, opportunity to do the, the meet and greet in the office yeah. for the first time. And, and so we did make it a focus um, and, you know, also getting to know people from uh, the different functions mm. that exist within self-wealth. It's incredible, um, you know, what you can learn from, yeah. from others with different perspectives and, frankly, to get the passion yeah. uh, from other folk as well. How, how have you gone about that, that hiring process then? Because one of the – I've been doing this for decades and I've mm. found it really difficult trying to hire remotely and just things – you know, real things, simple things that you take for granted that you never, you're never going to get from doing remote, remote hiring or remote interviews. Like when you walk into an office and there's a buzz and an energy where you feel, Hey, this is the place for me. How yeah. do you kind of get 
those things across when you're just interviewing people like you and I are chatting right now? Yeah. No, look, you can only, the honest truth is you can only go so far uh, mm. between screens. Um, you know, you're spot on. Obviously, we had to do it because of, you know, lockdowns that were particularly happening in Melbourne, uh, given our world record. <laughs> so, you know, what was important is as soon as those, you know, lockdown restrictions were lifted to get that face-to-face contact, whether it be, you know, on a one-to-one basis or whether it be in the broader team. Um, and, you know, we did make that big effort around team building, social fun activities um, that were that were truly inclusive. Uh, you know, across all generations. Um, and I think that is how we've built such a, a close-knit team at mm. SelfWealth. Um, so when you, you kind of look at hiring people, what are the qualities that you look for? And, and what did you have to learn about um, the behaviours, you know, that were different qualities that you look for when you were hiring in large corporates versus when you're hiring now in a you know, fintech of 65 people. Yeah. Do you know what? The qualities are probably same, same. I'm a person who looks for attitude every single time over experience or skill. Someone who uh, wants to apply themselves, someone who wants to continuously learn, be inquisitive, um, also be respectful of others. And mm. by that, I mean being able to listen. Yeah. But then ultimately someone who, who wants to like throw themselves into whatever they want to do. Um, for me, it, it has to be someone who who is positive in their outlook in life. Um, and then, of course, you know, you look for the experience and, and the skills. But, you know, there, there absolutely has to be that connection with, with want in an individual. And I, and I think that, you know, in my 20 years plus of, you know, recruiting people and honestly I've lost count um, of the number of people that, that I've hired over the year years, um, but, you know, it, it's ultimately being able to connect with that person and, you know, look for people who, who want the best in life. That's mm. what we look for. Awesome, awesome. When it comes to the other side of it, which is, you know, we're, well documented how difficult it is to find the right people. Um, how have you gone about attracting the, the right people to self-wealth? Yeah, I think it's really important that, you know, people understand the true story behind self-wealth. You know, the ones that, that what I've already explained in terms of, you know, we're transparent, we're honest, we are going to build the largest platform for retail investors in Australia. We have a very clear vision and we're here to do good things mm. for Australians, you know. Um, and so, but you also, during the recruitment process, you also have to be um, set, you know, very realistic views in terms of, you know, where you are on that journey, yeah. um, you know, what their specific role will entail. You know, I see so many um, other organisations who falsely set expectations. People join and then folk wonder, well, why, you know, why did they leave? Well, yeah. you know, um, did you sell them a Lamborghini? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting you say that, Kath, because I'm having more and more discussions now with leaders where over this last six months in particular, People who've left have come back to the organization within mm. three to six months. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's unfortunately when there is, uh, you know, a, a, a talent short market or even a perception of one, a lot of businesses and recruiters will say whatever it takes to get somebody across the line. Correct. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, 
you know, people get in there and they realize that it's not how the brochure was. And, you know, that, that creates even bigger problems. So yeah, you know, we're, we're all for transparency in the process. Yeah. And, and I think as well, you know, for a person like me who's seen multiple cycles, I was, you know, in the UK during the GFC, I've seen various economic cycles working mm. in, in Latin America, right? Um, I think with that experience as well, you need to be financially stable. You know, yeah. that has to be a really big priority. Um, and, you know, certainty in my view, is like such an important criteria for employees to look at yeah. uh, with a company. And and look, unfortunately, with the, the state of the market now and a number of fintechs who are really struggling at the moment, um, I think, again, you know, a company like Self Wealth, uh, because of our, our financial prudence, you know, we can, we can, you know, legitimately stand up and say, hey, you know, it's not just about kind of pool tables and foosball. It's yeah. about, you know, making sure that we've got a, a stable company who's there to also support you and your families um, through no matter what the next cycle is. Yeah. How would you um, manage the balance of shareholders, employees and customers? Because I've kind of got a little bit of a theory on this, is that when you're an early stage startup, all you have to worry about typically are your customers and your people. And it's a lot easier to get that balance. But once you get major shareholders in, it kind of creates this, you know, menage a trois, shall I say, <laughs> where you know, you've kind of got to try and please everyone. And, and yeah, it's really, really difficult act, balancing act to get right. You know, most organizations that I see will either get, you know, um, customers or people, but they can never get this kind of, balance of satisfying shareholders, satisfying their people, satisfying their customers. How have you gone about managing that balance? Yeah, look, it is a, it is sometimes a difficult balance. Of course, the ideal state is to have shareholders that can understand and appreciate the medium to long-term play. Mm. Um, and, you know, that is really important um, for a company uh, like SelfWealth, um, who, you know, has set its path on, you know, building out not just here for days but for decades. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of that work has been done um, on, on our register. But, you know, it is very difficult to achieve because, as you say, sometimes those needs aren't the same. So, you know, the first step is to understand, you know, what those uh, respective needs are. You can't please everyone all the time. Uh, but what you must, must, must do, which you can never forget, is that, you know, your customers are your voice. Yeah. And they are your revenue. They are your lifeblood. Yeah. So you absolutely must continue to prioritise those customers and make sure that you're in tune with what mm. they need and want and to be able to move forward with them. Yeah, it's a, there's a kind of rather famous meme, I think, was attributed to Richard Branson and Virgin, which kind of says the opposite of that, which I've, I've never felt comfortable with. Mm. And it's for that reason that you've just said, right, is that no. without the customers, people don't have jobs, shareholders cool. don't have anything. And I think, yep. you know, that's imperative that, you know, particularly in the, you know, the world that we're, we're in now, where I think every chief exec that I've spoken to in the last three, four years, Kath, if you ask them what their number one you know, kind of problem was or you know, the thing that was keeping them awake at night, 
Um, you'd get a lot of you'd hear a lot of things like talent, cybersecurity, you know, funding. But mm-hmm. the one thing that everybody shared, whether it was an exec at one of the big four banks or it was a founder of a 10-person startup, was is what we're building today even going to be relevant in 12 months' time? Correct. Because customers now are so demanding, right? It's yeah. They just expect and they'll move on. So I think it's a really interesting insight that you share there, and one that I'd you know I'd, I'd have to say I completely agree with. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, the the list is long in terms of you know interesting technology that's been built, but um, not particularly useful mm. and doesn't solve um, a, a customer need. Yeah. But therefore doesn't, you know, translate into, you know, a sustainable, profitable business model. And and it's something that, you know, we should all have at the very front of our minds. Now, you've spent uh, the last 20, you know, 20 odd years living internationally. Um, what was your perception of Australia from a fintech perspective before you came back? And mm-hmm. has it changed since you've now been back for what two years or so? Um, yes. Yeah. So, look, I, I my my most recent gig was in the states, uh, and it was West Coast. And so, yes, it's fair to say that um, certainly saw a lot of uh, fintech um, in the valley, and and you know, further abroad in New York, that scene was certainly growing. And you know, I ran an innovation center in Dublin as well. And let me tell you, the Irish tech scene is well and truly flourishing, yeah. um, as in in Singapore as well, um, heavily connected into that scene. So, look, my perception of um, Australia before coming back is, of course, I knew it was going to be smaller um, than those uh, international locations. Um, since coming back, I am pleased to, to see um, so many passionate people in that space. Um, I think, though, that more can be done in terms of, you know, support um, from a government perspective as well, Um, you know, all sorts of things in terms of, you know, providing more funding just into the framework generally. Um, You know, there's a lot to be done in terms of uh, sharing, uh, you know, cybersecurity, you know, basically the non-revenue driver support. Of course, you know, visas should be made more freely. I'd like to see more uh, true global sharing of ideas and, and technology as well, perhaps through through conferences and I think probably more uh, you know publication and and you know around you know what Australia has to offer to those other international tech bases mm. um, so yeah it, it's it's pleasing to see what's been done thus far but I think Australia could be doing a lot more cool now um I, I'm not going to ask you for a specific company here but I, I guess you know when you look at fintech, which area of fintech has got you most excited and why? Look, I um, I started uh, getting involved into blockchain technologies back in 2018 um, and was very pleased and proud to be part of, you know, the first insurance uh, use case, commercialised use case um, with blockchain. So, look, blockchain for me is something that is still very near and dear to my heart. And, you know, I, I'm not one of those people that, you know, crypto is not synonymous with blockchain. Yeah. It is just one use case thereof. So from, you know, a wealth management perspective, 
Um, you know, I think appropriate use of blockchain technologies in terms of, uh, you know, looking at, at share ownership, for example, or, or other asset types, you know, such as properties, et cetera. Mm. There's so much that can be done there. It's really yeah. exciting. Um, you know, it gives people the certainty that they need and also, you know, breaks down, uh, you know, those big monolith asset types yeah. into, I guess, more um, consumable segments for, uh, you know, retail and investors, which is what I'm all about. So we're talking on that. I mean, last week there was just an announcement that um, the ASX kind of chess replacement has been delayed again. Um, when that gets off the ground, it's obviously, you know, <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed, it is still world leading. What do you think is just taking so long? Because by the time that project gets off the ground, it's going to be six years since it was announced. What, what do you think is kind of really holding blockchain adoption back? Yeah, look, you know, and, and, and I don't know too much about the details about what's happened in, in the last few years associated with that specific project. Um, but what I think um, generally in terms of, you know, what's holding blockchain back, I'll go back again and make the statement around, you know, use cases, they can be interesting, but are they useful? Yeah. You know, the, the the best uses of blockchain is when they're solving specific problems. Yeah. And I think that is what, you know, we need to focus on. And, and, you know, you can solve a problem. It doesn't have to be revenue generating. It can be cost reducing. Yeah. And yeah. I think from a, a blockchain perspective, although that may not sound as, as exciting, um, is probably a much better use yeah. of blockchain technologies. I always look at my kids as kind of what I feel might be the trends in in the future. Um, they love gaming. They spend a lot of money on avatars, but they've never once turned around to me and said, Dad, I really wish I owned this avatar so I could maybe sell it again for a profit and I had ownership rights to it. It's just not something that they think of. Correct. And yet, you know, this seems to be the, you know, the the, the biggest case for NFTs. <laughs> it's yeah. there, right. And that you, but you think of, you know, the, the actual technology behind that seems to lend itself a lot more around property deeds, you know, kind of ownership, mm. right? Mm. Things that need to be, yeah, kind of set in stone as to how Correct. how this works. So yeah. um, what what do you see as as being, you know, perhaps the the ways in which, you know, the you know, the, the these types of technologies can move beyond the hype and, you know, the monkey JPEGs and you know, the mm. kind of this scummy element and start to be really embraced by, you know, the corporate world where they're, you know, we're, we're then going to see kind of real adoption. Yeah, that's it. Like it, it is about demystifying yeah. what it is as well, um, explaining it in ways that humans understand. <laughs> I think that's another key thing too. People, as a general rule of thumb, people don't trust things that yeah. they can't eloquently explain to others. Yeah. So, you know, I think it is about, you know, um, identifying, yeah, those pain points, you know, whether it be vaccination records, for example. Geez, wouldn't that be great if it was on the blockchain so you didn't have to frantically, you know, search around for some certificate, that certificate, et cetera, right? Yeah. Make it useful for people um, and, you know, implement it and then talk about how it was done. And, you know, very shortly it will just, you know, one will roll into the yeah. other. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like, you know, we don't talk about ISPs and how we're talking to each other right now and the 
technology <laughs> behind that. We just use it, right? Absolutely. Yep. Has to just be useful. Absolutely. Well, Kath, it's been great to have you on the show. Um, what you know? What can we expect from Self Wealth in this next twelve months? Yeah, we've got some very exciting things planned for our retail investors. So, look, we're going to continue on what we do, but better, which is you know provide the most simplest, trustworthy uh, solution available for retail investing in the Australian market. Uh, we have crypto coming very soon in a very self wealthy way, um, and as well, you know, we will be adding additional asset types in the next twelve months. And of course, you have our commitment in terms of independent thought leadership and transparency around our pricing as well. Cool. And where can people find out more about self-wealth? Come on over to selfwealth.com.au or jump on your favorite uh, uh, device and, and download one of our native apps. Awesome. And we get some seriously talented people listening to the show. Um, anybody's out there listening and they like what they hear today and they'd be interested in finding out more about joining self-wealth what, what's the best place for them to go to please come on back to selfwealth.com.au you'll find our vacancies there or get in contact directly with me uh, we have our uh, motto at self-wealth which is grow you good thing so if you want to come and grow with us come on over awesome kath it's been great to have you with us and thanks for joining me today Thank you very much, Dexter. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, that wraps up today's show. Thanks so much for joining us. Please remember to leave us a five-star review if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes. And until the next episode, stay safe. Fintech Chatter is presented by Tier 1 People, leaders in fintech executive search. We'll help you launch, scale, and innovate by delivering world-class talent. And you can find out more at tier1people.com.